Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we ask the question, should you be a thought leader? Yeah, so this came out of an exchange I had with a student who was describing sort of uh, some content marketing that he was doing for in a B2B context that, you know, I, we were looking at it, it seemed like it was gonna be effective. And he used the word, he used the word, well, you know, I want to be a thought leader in this space. And the, and the thing that he was talking about, it, it's just like clicked with me like in a, in, I just felt like it didn't, or it didn't click with me is what I should say is like, it was like thought, like the thing, I mean, it's hard to, to tell the story without telling the story. Uh, but it was just very, very, very localized and specific. And it mm. wasn't like, it wasn't big. And, and we went, we went for maybe a half an hour after that, me just trying to like, say, you know, no, think bigger, think bigger. And he'd say, well, this, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's bigger, but I want big, 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 you know? And, (laughs) and it started to, it started, it didn't immediately occur to me what the friction was in my mind. But when we got by the end of it, I got to a place where I, I felt like the, he was sort of, uh, splashing the word thought leadership on something that wasn't really thought leadership. And that got us to thinking, and we, we talked about it a little bit after the show last week about the words thought leader. Mm-hmm. And in, in this particular case, you know, my student was doing educational content marketing. He was basically like teaching people about better ways to do this and that. And, you know, to me, I was like, that's, that doesn't feel like a thought leadership Mm -mm. thing maybe yeah maybe i'm maybe it's just me i guess it's not just me no and so that sounds like an expert to me i'm teaching you how to do something exactly and that was that was it was the first time that it occurred to me that there was perhaps and having thought about it i would say definitely a difference between an expert and a thought leader so figured we'd sort of explore that here for you today dear listener So it sounds like we're in agreement uh, at the high level. What what does thought leader mean to you? Well, I, I I may have a bias about this that comes from all the years I spent in big consulting, um, but in in that context, thought leaders were always people whose job was I mean, it literally was their job to think big thoughts and publish and lead the rest of us in their area of expertise. Mm-hmm. So, so, so think about that. They had no direct reports. They, they would, I, I called it think big thoughts, but about their area. So for example, we'd have a thought leader on, you know, retiree medical. We'd have a thought leader on performance management, on sales compensation, on mergers and acquisitions. So it was big in the sense of you think about how your area ties into everything that the clients might be involved in. But it was small in the sense that it was a narrow, you know, kind of a vertically focused area of expertise within a broader firm. Mm-hmm. So when I think of that, I still go back to somebody who has a really deep knowledge of something, but has the broad ability to see out into the future and say what trends are going to impact this. It's somebody who's going to show me ways to think about things that I haven't before. Mm-hmm. They're going to lead the way. Right. Well, that, yeah. And then you just connected the dots right at the end there because it's like an expert might do some, a lot of what you described. They might think (laughs) about 
going deeper, they might, you know, into their space, they might have insights, they might have discoveries. But if they're not leading other people to a new place, I say that, okay, you're an expert, you're not a thought leader, you, right. you know, even an authority isn't really necessarily a thought leader. I mean, you could imagine authority Correct. being called in as an expert witness in, uh, you know, a, a boat blows up and they call in an expert witness in ballistics or something and like, okay, but that's not a thought leader. They might have, they might be a groundbreaking scientist in ballistic missile technology. Great. That's awesome. And that's probably a great job to have. Maybe not, maybe not that particular <laughs> example, but you know, but you, so the point I'm starting to get to is that you can be an incredibly successful expert. You don't have to be a thought leader. You don't need to like right. be sort of saying, Hey, bunch of people, there's a, there's a mental place we should all go to. It's way over there. I might not even know how to get there. We can figure that out on our own, but that is the place that we need to get to. And it's a new thought. It's a new way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And it feels like, to me, it feels, this is a part I'm not so sure about. I, I'm, I'm sure about everything else, <laughs> but I'm not so <laughs> sure about this part is can, can you be a thought leader to one person or does it need to be? Cause to me, it feels like it, when I ever see somebody I think of as a thought leader, there is a, there is a, there's a groundswell, there's a movement, there's, there's a lot of people. I don't usually see it as a, as a, like a one-on-one -on -one thing feels more like a mentorship that's or a mentor. something. Yeah, yeah, that's a mentor. That's not a thought leader. Right. I, I feel like it needs to be on a pretty big stage, literally and figuratively. Well, a, a growing, a, a growing stage. It could mm -hmm. be because I think there, you know, it's a process. You don't sort of arrive fully formed as, as a thought leader. And, True. and that, that piece, I think that's really important that maybe gets to your, you know, one-to-one -one versus one-to-many is I believe a thought leader has to push and prod and enlist allies, mm -hmm. right? And so it's not just, oh, I'm going to float this idea out there and see, you know, who bites on it, but I'm going to push it. And I'm going to try and think of as many ways to reach people with this idea and my viewpoint on that idea as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So there's that, that personal, um, maybe even emotional tug where you're invested in getting other people to, to see the light, if you will. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I just, I just see it visually as, as like a thought leader, someone who's trying to get a large group of people to move to a new way of thinking, like a, mm -hmm. a almost a physical movement. Yes. It's just thoughts, but like you to get a whole bunch of people to see the world in a new way, to think about the world in a new way. And the kind of thing you can't unsee once you see it. It's yes. like, now we're here. We are yes. no longer there anymore. And it's different than, it's not, it's not the same thing as education. It's more like triggering an epiphany or a light bulb moment. And it, it's not the kind of thing you can forget either. It's like, it's just the new way you see the world. And in, yeah, I suppose there's lots of ways that things like that can get triggered. You can go through major life events and so on and so forth. But, but if we're talking about thought leaders, that, that's what it means to me. There's a, you know, like you said, you know, you could be working your way up to it. You're building the the groundswell or building the audiences. I don't love the word audience here, actually. But anyway, the the try. I don't want to say followers either, but it's like interested parties, let's say. Uh, but eventually it's the kind of thing that could become large. You know, if it's successful and they do a good job, 
with all of the sort of emotional and political moves that you need to make to lead a large group of people, then you could end up in that place. Well, yeah, what struck me about that is that um, maybe the different one of the differences between being a thought leader and an expert is that thought leader is looking for that spark that's going to connect their ideas, their point of view in this in their subject matter area with others. And there's never just one thing. You know, there's something that might spark you and it might be different than what sparks me, but it's all related to the same idea. Mm -hmm. They're looking for that spark, I think. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's not just like, here's a great idea, take it or leave it. You know, to me, that that's more scientist, expert, uh, that sort of thing. It's like, look, you know, this is scientifically proven. It's a repeatable process, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is groundbreaking and, you know, this is going to be a big deal. All right, but you're not really trying to change the way I think, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, but that's not to denigrate, denigrate it at all. It's like, that's great. Right. So right. The, the question of the episode is, should you be a thought leader? So what situation, uh, I, I hate using the word should, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> what, in what cases is, is it appropriate to go down that path of thought leadership? And when is it, when does it make more sense to be an expert instead? Or not instead, because yeah. you could be an expert and a thought leader, but... Well, you probably have to be an expert to be a thought leader. Probably, I mean, yeah. Y- you have to know something about an area, and it can't be. It, it can be a big idea, but it's got to be a definable area, or mm-hmm. it's really hard to be a thought leader. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does tend to go hand in hand. Like if you think about if you think about TED talks that really resonate with you know you whoever you know dear listener whatever the your favorite TED talks are the ones that resonate for me are almost always someone who's, you know, spent their entire life in an industry, you know, and, and mm-hmm. are, are not spring chickens typically. So what what so what do you th- like, what do you think? Like, at what point does it make what, when would it be a bad idea to be a thought leader or begin that down that path? I love that question, because in a way, it's easier to answer than than the opposite. And I think if you really aren't wired to share, because I, I think that's the biggest part of being a thought leader, because once you've developed that expertise, you basically have to get your jollies by sharing it with other people. You're curating and you're giving away your ideas and you're trying to engage other people in them. So it's a way of working that isn't suited to everybody. Mm-hmm. So if you're sort of like that ivory tower person who wants to sit there and research and then go and do work for a client, again, nothing bad. There's nothing bad about that. It's just that's not a thought leader. You've got to be willing to sh- you know develop those ideas, yes, but then share them. And of course, listen to what people have to say about them because they may not agree with you. Yes, you need to. Yes, exactly. I was just going to say you need to be a good listener and you need to be prepared. You need to keep an open mind because people are going to have really good points about, you know, like, okay, I get your idea, Mr. Thought Leader, but uh, I'm in this particular situation. How does it apply to me or or it doesn't apply to me or it seems not to like translate it for me? It's so you end up you'll you'll end up saying the same thing for 10 or 15 years. So like you need to have patience. That's another quality, I think, is that you need to be patient while people catch up to you because it's going to take a long time. It takes a long time for people's minds to change. 
Well, I think the other thing that is maybe a little up in the air for our audience is that our audience are mostly independents. So you also have to make a living while you're doing this. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, thought leadership can be with people other than your clients. You know, if you're an expert on X and you serve clients, the clients may not care about developing that expertise to the level of thought leadership, but people who do what you do in the rest of the world do. So so you almost have a different tribe that right now when you start are not clients. So if you're going to become a thought leader and be independent and make a living, you have to figure out you know, who is your real audience? And then how are you going to make a living from all of that ultimately? Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day. This is, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Or no, no, I wasn't talking to him. I was listening to a podcast of a friend of mine talking <laughs> to him. It's a, felt, felt very similar. Um, and so on the show, he, he created this person created thought leadership for like large companies. So, so he almost, mm -hmm. he would assist people inside of organizations to, uh, I don't know how to say it, build their thought leadership. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and the intent being to attract more talent to the company, like this company's doing innovative things or, um, uh, to attract bigger clients because this company's doing innovative things there, you know, and I wonder, is that, I, I feel like it's the same thing, but it's maybe a, a cousin. It doesn't feel like what I'm, you know, for like a soloist. So like a corporation doing air quotes, a thought leadership feel and it's individuals inside of the corporation, but it's on behalf of the corporation. So kind of, I guess kind of, I don't know. It just feels a little bit different to me. I, something about it feels a little unpure or something. Well, no, I, I actually, I, I can see that. And, and let me just, you know, take the example from my prior life with a consulting firm. So I mentioned um, all of these thought leaders. You usually wouldn't see their name on these things that would go to clients. So if I was the expert on sales compensation, I'm probably going to write and then ultimately approve something that goes to all clients about that, but it's not going to have my name on it. Okay. It's the firm's point of view, the firm's thought leadership. And that's very common. In fact, I sort of laugh when everybody talks about content marketing. Consulting firms have been doing this since at least the 30s, yeah. right? So they've been doing it forever. You know, what's somewhat new, I think, is where corporations are doing it. Right. Um, for the reasons you mentioned, you know, I think it can be powerful, but I, I think it's different because um, both of those kinds of organizations have a revenue base. Mm -hmm. They have a structure, they have a way that they make money and a way that they leverage their marketing and thought leadership to make money, mm -hmm. ultimately. Right. Um, when you're a soloist, you have to look at this a little bit differently. It's how how do you and I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. I'm just saying you want to walk into it thinking about how do I build this and where do I want to take this? And over time, you might write books and do speeches and get totally paid for from just those two sources. But when you're first starting out, chances are you're trying to serve clients with your area of expertise. Right. Yeah, I was your your comment about, you know, how are you going to make a living while you build this base was I was thinking, well, oh, you know, could people do it from inside a corporation? But you're I'm sure you're right that your actual name wouldn't be on anything that they published. So that's uh, 
that that wouldn't really well they can still write articles and and they're encouraged most big firms encourage their key people to do that mm-hmm. um and there's a you know some percentage of their time that's allocated to that so it's not that they don't do that but it's different i mean i just think we should be you know really straight with our audience i mean it's different when you're sitting there with a salary and a compensation package creating this versus you're on your own and you have an an area of expertise you have a big idea and you want to build that audience i mean it's it's i mean it's actually a really exciting place to be i think oh yeah it's i mean if you have the qualities that it it requires yeah you know like good listener patience so on and so forth you know sharing a sharing type of personality well and i think a, a a distinct point of view about your subject matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got to have something that not only is distinct, it, that will break through. I mean, I, I keep coming back to hourly billing is nuts, Jonathan. Mm. I mean, that's an example. That's really, I mean, it's it's a big idea. It's a point of view. It's all of those things rolled into one. Um, but it allows you to, to slice into the marketplace in a way that you wouldn't otherwise. Right. So speaking of books, is that, you know, are, are we talking about all the usual suspects? So if someone is listening and they're like, oh, you know what? Yes, I do have a big idea. I have those qualities. Uh, it, it, to me, it's a long-term play. And, and, you know, if what are the what are the ways that you spread that word? I'm sure it's all the usual things that we talk about. You know, really speaking, is. blogging, writing books, so on right. and so forth. Articles, um, video. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's getting out and, and you've got to find something that is going to connect with your people. Mm-hmm. I suppose it, I suppose it's worth pointing out though, that of all of those things, we just listed a bunch of things. None of them have a built in feedback loop. And I think a feedback loop is pretty important. Like they can have one, you know, you can go on a book tour and do signings and, uh, go on podcasts and talk to hosts or, you know, you could have uh, a, an online community or be very active on Twitter, for example. And, and social. Uh, yeah. And, and, and get that feedback. Like, here's this idea. I'm putting it out into the world. I think that the world would be a better place if more people saw this the way I see it. Here's why. And, you know, come at me, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, let's, let's hash this out. Like, like, tell me I'm wrong. Why am I wrong? Like you, you mm-hmm. almost have to invite that. It hurt. It's not fun. I, I know from experience, it's not super fun, but, uh, it's, it's amazing when you actually, when the light bulb goes on for somebody else and it doesn't, you know, it happens one time out of a hundred probably. Well, maybe a little bit better than that, but, but it doesn't happen every time. Let's put it like that. So right. you need to have a little bit of a thick skin about it in an open mind and be like, okay, you know, I, you know, we just disagree or whatever, but, uh, well, social is great for that because mm-hmm. you, you can have a conversation and the cool thing about it is that the conversation can go beyond just the two of you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to, you know, develop a tribe. Um, it's, it, 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 I think you pointed out, you, you have to have a thick skin. Um, and you also have to be, uh, have something that is at least well baked enough that you can put it out there. You can't be so attached to it that you're not willing to change it, but you need to have done at least enough thinking so that you've got the planks of your belief system of your thought leadership. I I mean, I think I'd feel more comfortable if somebody had those things and then adjusted. Yeah, that's a good point. Like there needs to be, it's, that's a hard balance too. 
Mm-hmm. Because here, I, I, I once read that uh, that's that's how sort of uh, people who are famous for a particular idea, you know, so let's say um, a really polarizing uh, politician uh, who has very strong views about lots of things, they can end up super out of touch with, you know, air quotes, reality because their opinions are so well known that it creates an echo chamber around them. Yeah. And they aren't getting dissenting opinion because everyone knows what they think. And people are like, well, I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change that guy's mind, you know, Mm -hmm. or that girl's mind. It's like, it's insane to imagine. And so what it becomes this self-reinforcing thing, which leads to, and I think you use the word brittle, which it, it leads to this like sort of indefensible, inflexible, you know, sort of heels dug in kind of stance that uh you know kind of emperor has no clothes type thing where but but man that's a hard balance because if you know you wrote an entire book about something and then you're like whoa actually i missed a huge (laughs) you know (laughs) well that's the second book that's the second Um, book right but i'm not sure the person that you described would be a thought leader and maybe i'm being pollyanna about this but i think a thought leader has to keep looking at what's coming and and you don't have to be right all the time, but you have to be thinking about it and looking at it and having a viewpoint about it. Yeah. And if it never changes, that doesn't, to me, that feels like the, the not leadership. Mm-hmm. Leadership should be evolving over time with your tribe and your idea. Yes. I didn't mean to imply that like a, a, a polarizing politician was a thought leader, but uh, <laughs> thought leaders' opinions are well known. Their point of view is well yes. known in that same yes. kind of way. And, I, you know, I, I don't get any email from anybody saying, you know what, hourly billing's awesome. And here's why. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Like no one does that. Occasionally, people will fight about it behind my back and I'll hear from people that people are skeptical or they think I'm an idiot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no one ever, it, it's, it hardly ever happens to me face to face, you know, in, in virtual or real life anymore. And I'm like, that's kind of, I don't, you know, it's kind of, I kind of don't like that. It's, you know, part of me is like, well, it's fun not to have that fight all the time. <laughs> and it's not a fight, actually. It's more of a wrestling match and it's, it's different. And, uh, I don't, I think I, now I'm having a, a moment here where I'm like, oh, I should probably invite that more. I should probably be, like encourage that more. That would be a, and t- t- that's, that's what I'm getting at with the feedback loop is that you, mm. you do need to keep, it's kind of like, you could almost think of it as like checking your analytics, like in a sense, if it, it would maybe make you feel better about it to like, be, well, is this, is this clicking? Is this getting traction? Is this, is this, am I making progress? And you could sort of do that by checking in with people. You know, that would be a way to kind of take the temperature of the audience on, on the idea yeah. to invite, not criticism per se, but invite um, pushback, constructive criticism, um, comments. What are my blind spots here? What am I missing? I, all of those things sound like something a leader would do. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, when you started it, you talked about a feedback loop, and maybe that's the the piece. And, you know, I've never really thought about that as being part of a thought leader's role, but I actually think it is because how are you going to know what's new and different? How will you hear, and I don't just mean you, Jonathan, I mean everyone, how Mm. will you hear dissenting thoughts? 
And, you know, at some point, you know, we all have a point of view and it can be hard for for ideas that aren't part of that purview to get in. And that's not always a bad thing. Right. There's 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 you, a reason you have focus and you're leading. But it, I, I think to be a true leader in every sense of the word. Yeah. You have to so- solicit some kind of feedback like, you know, in the army, uh, probably all the services, they have this after action review. It's kind of the same idea mm-hmm. is, you know, what just happened, you know, what went well or not well and what would we change if we did it again it's it's sort of that continuous feedback loop Mm -hmm. from our audiences yeah right and that's no to me now if we pull it back to like contrasting this with an expert i i don't see an expert doing that at all i feel like an expert is i suppose it depends on the area of expertise but in general uh, an expert i could see an expert just really getting into their craft, getting into their, you know, doing research, uh, testing, um, uh, surveys, that sort of thing. And, Soaking it up. Right. And, and just like getting in there, looking for insights, looking for opportunities, breaking new ground with technology or law or whatever, whatever it might be. And it's, it's a lot less about getting sort of you know, feedback from the, you know, the rabble, if you will, you know, the, this is like, I don't care what you think. I proved this thing. Like, look, it's proven. I can repeat it. It's, it's done. This now works like the, you know, the chip is now microscopic, you know, there's no argument. Well, it's about the client and the work together. Do you know what I mean? So, so the expert in that sort of situation that you describe, I think is the person who wants to keep learning their craft and honing it. They also want to work with clients. They have a business. So a lot of what they're focused on is how can this be better for the client, right? right? For the situation. And then that will bring me more clients. It's just, it's a different focus versus it's, it's, and when I say lower, I don't mean in a hierarchical sense, but it's closer to the ground yeah. than what we're talking about with, with thought leadership. Right. Or you could call it more near term. So it's kind of like, yeah, like it feels like it feels like the thought leadership thing <laughs> operates on a glacial scale or it can. It's not the kind of, you know, I guess every once in a while there's like a, a, a huge breakout, um, you know, like, I don't know, would you, would you call the, that, uh, oh, the art of tidying up book was, you know, is that, is that thought leadership really? Or it was a giant fad. Do you know what I'm talking about? I think it's, oh, are you kidding me? I've read every single one of her books (laughs) and I've done it. Um, I think of that as more of a big idea. Okay. Which the big idea is that the things in your life should spark joy. Mm -hmm. That's the big idea. And everything else is, you know, content around that. Is that thought leadership not in and of itself? I mean, time will tell what she does. I think she has some sort of a Netflix or cable show. I don't know if it's out already or it's coming. Um, You know, start to see, is she teaching other professional organizers? Is she incorporating that? Or is it really more about her point of view? And I think she could be, you know, she is successful. She's highly successful. And she can be successful in either either realm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that's, for me, that's a big idea. Right, okay. Interesting. But a great big idea. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that one's kind of on the verge for me. It's, it's right on the edge of between the two. It could, it could kind of go either way for me because it does, it is a transformative way of thinking about your life. And what mm-hmm. I only know this because 
my wife is the same way. She devoured all that stuff. And we were just talking about it yesterday <laughs> because we were cleaning up our winter stuff out of the closet. It was like, this is stay or go, stay or go. And I kiddingly, I said, well, does this spark joy? <laughs> you know, like, oh, listen, I made my husband touch every single one of his shirts that we took out of the closet. And, and he, I mean, he was really kind of like in your headspace when we were doing it, but then he started to get into it mm-hmm. and he got rid of way more stuff than I ever thought he would. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a big idea. <laughs> yeah, it really is. All right. So did we, did we help? Did we get anywhere? For, I, I think, well, what do you think? Well, I, there's, I guess there's maybe, you know, one more thing that I, I sort of think is maybe part of a thought leader. Curious for your take on this. Um, I, I like my thought leaders to be a little edgy and to take kind of an unexpected angle. And these are, and I'm not saying that they're not nice people and that they're not, you know, polite, but they've got an edge to them. There's or into their ideas and they're, um, almost a, it's almost like they're incubating something and they're protecting it. If that makes sense. Hmm. Um, it, it, I just find, um, people who will fight for their ideas is interesting. I don't mean fight, like be a jerk, but fight in the sense of, yeah, you like know, stand up. an intellectual, you know, this is why this makes sense. And, and here, and this is why I care about it is kind of putting all those things together. I, I think makes a thought leader even more powerful for me. I mean, I find them more compelling when I feel them that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, w- I mean, I would say I like, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing because I'm actually thinking through people that I can, that I'm, that I would lump in that category. And they're all, they're not all edgy, but they're all characters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they all yeah. have some, they're quirky. There's something about them that stands out. And, you know, I'm not talking about hairdo. I'm, I'm talking about like, you know, the, although that's oftentimes, oftentimes part too. of the picture, but, uh, they're just characters, you know, and, and they're mm, fearless, fearless, but not invulnerable. So, ah. you know, courage, they have courage and yeah. courage of the, their convictions, I suppose. And that, that seems like a, of the examples that are kind of like carouseling through my head, that seems to be a common thread. Yeah. And I, I like, you know, the, the word uh, vulnerable for that because that does, it, it does help. I think it, it, we respond humans, we respond to someone who's willing to show us their, their soft underbelly sometimes. <laughs> right? Yeah. You want to be human. It's like, it's not, uh, you know, we could, th- there's a show idea. We, I, I did a, a, a post the other day about, um, uh, musical geniuses or virtuosos versus world-class entertainers and what the difference between being a virtuoso oh. and an entertainer is. Yes. And one of the things with being a virtuoso, entertainers want to connect with the audience, virtuosos, okay, broad, broad strokes, entertainment, entertainers want to connect with the audience, virtuosos want to impress their peers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certainly at the student level, and, and you can be both a virtuoso and an entertainer, but, uh, it is a really interesting dynamic there that about vulnerability that I think is is perhaps worth talking about on another show. Yeah, it's and I think what happens is you know when when you sort of grow up professionally as an expert, 
it's easy to believe that really what matters is just your expertise. Mm -hmm. That as long as you're the smartest person in that room on fill in the blank, that you're okay. But that's not the it's not the fastest way to build a business. It's having that human side and giving people something to connect with. And it's everything from how you talk about your idea to, you know, what you show of yourself, you know, a cool hairdo and, and (laughs) need eyeglasses aside. Right. Yeah. I mean, in a consulting space, it's like you can come in and be the smartest person in the world, but it's not going to, affect change in the client organization if you don't connect the dots for them. This, this is what, one of the big reasons why uh, I moved away from consulting or I, or I considered myself to, to be in need of improvement, let's put it that way, because people would agree with the ideas but then take no action and it drove me crazy. So, you know, I was like, well, I either need to get more persuasive or stop doing this. And I think that vulnerability and connecting the dots for the client or some empathy, all of those things can uh, help do that. And certainly, certainly those are traits that are important to be to a successful thought leader. Well, and there's, you know, the whole area of consulting skills, which, you know, has some crossover with what you just said. And then there's that unique aspect about going into a particular organization and enlisting that exact group of quote unquote, change agents, and then doing your work. And I think that's not necessarily a thought leader. It could be, but not necessarily. There's lots of experts that do it really well. Well, and it's, I also don't think being a thought leader is the holy grail mm-hmm. in our profession. Because I think sometimes people think, oh, I have to be the thought leader. And they're thinking about it differently. Maybe they want to be an authority. Maybe they want to be the authority. But they might not be suited to be a thought leader. It might not just be the best use of their talents and passions. Cool. Well, that might be a good place to leave it. I I got nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Squeezed you dry. (laughs) We're all wrung out here, folks. So we will hang it up for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next week for the Business of Authority. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.